we can back out now. We don't have to. <laughs> We're on carrier, aren't we? We are on carrier. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, what you you didn't just love Sally Ann McGee? <laughs> Her name is Sally Ann. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. I don't know. You seem really excited to talk about Ugh. this. Man, so. <laughs> Just 45 minutes of me eye rolling so hard and gasping in gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I miss you so much. Ah, there she is. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Oh. I am sure that our listeners fondly remember. My wife, Christy. Hello. From episode, whichever episode she was on before. Three? Less than 10-ish. Definitely less than 10 because you were on an episode of Black Sash, right? Yeah. Yeah. So somewhere in the first six episodes was a Christy. Yeah. <laughs> and now she's back for this fucking gem. Ugh. <laughs> it was just. It, it it sure was on a TV. <laughs> it sure happened. Uh, so yeah, let's let's just dive right into it. Right, yeah, let's... this certainly was on a TV on January fifteenth of nineteen ninety nine, and it was called Carrier, episode ten of Brimstone. This one was written by Janice Diamond, who also wrote Heat, if you recall, and. Yeah, yeah, that scans. That that tracks. She also wrote the episode after next episode, the penultimate episode of the series called It's a Hell of a Life, <laughs> which is actually a pretty good one. Yeah, I like that. At least as far as I remember. So let's let's see. Maybe Janice Diamond isn't. Uh, maybe it's not three strikes for Janice Diamond. <laughs> this time. And it was directed by Jesus Salvatore Trevino, who also directed Heat. So yeah, this is a reunion for the creative team of Heat, which was not one of our favorite episodes, if I remember correctly. Uh, wait, Heat was um, the college student that melts her professor? Yep. Yeah. Yep, the, the, the French girl who starts fires. Yes. I remember her. Yeah. 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 You did did you watch that episode with me? I did. Yeah. A lot of fire. I mean, I like fire. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? It it gets rid of problems by burning them. Um, who doesn't? Uh the scarecrow. Uh Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. They both Witches? didn't survive the fire, you mean. Well, no. So, I mean, Scarecrow survived, but you know, he he certainly backed away when the witch poked it at him and Frankenstein's monster famously fire bad. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's not for everyone. Just reading quotes from the episode on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> and the way the devil describes the disease, it's just ridiculous. So, I'm I'm going to just apologize up front like we're just going to plow through it. 
Yeah, I'm we're going to plow through it. <laughs> I, I have a washing machine that is in pieces or a dryer that is in pieces on my kitchen floor. So we'll just plow through this. <laughs> we'll just power through. We'll, we'll put in some extra effort. I can't guarantee an extra 10% funny, but we are, we're going to try extra hard because it, it's a slog again. Yeah. And I feel like I've barely slept all week unrelated. Just I've, ugh, I'm just exhausted. So yeah, because you just watched the episode. So we can't, we can't blame the episode as much as we'd like to. Right. So it's just, it's just power through time. So we start with one of those awesome, like late nineties dance club scenes from a TV show. This looks so much like it could be the opening of an episode of Angel. I can't even stand it. It's it's so true. That's very true. Only far less David Boreanaz. Which I'm fine with. You don't like David Boreanaz? He's got a very punchable face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're uh, going to get letters. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. We have this short-haired blonde woman dancing in this club. And doing the Charleston. And doing the Charleston. Which they zoom in on. Yeah, she, she does some old-timey dancing, which it, and on this show is certainly a red flag already. You see or hear anything anachronistic, you know trouble is afoot in Brimstone. In addition to dancing, this lady's just knocking back drinks left and right, which the bartender comments on. That she's been been putting them away and somehow is not drunk yet, which again another red flag in Brimstone. So the bartender, being a complete creep, is like, "Hey, you've run up this huge bar tab, and I bet you can't pay it." And she's like, "Oh, is this the part where I'm supposed to say, oh, maybe we can come to a different arrangement? What do I gotta do to clear this tab?" this is just so gross yeah like i said the bartender is a complete creep and if i remember correctly he actually initiates saying i think you can't pay your tab can you i think we should come to an arrangement and then she says oh well how could we ever possibly do that yeah right and yeah then they you know yeah then then they they bone which we don't see at all thank goodness because i mean have you seen her do the charleston (laughs) (laughs) well she's not the problem it's a a porn stash or this goatee this (laughs) less than trustworthy face he has a very criminal skull shape yeah he's he's got kind of a kind of a conquistador goatee with a porn stash top going i you'd have to see it i can't quite describe it accurately he just looks sleazy he is the definition of 90s sleazy yeah when it cuts from them at the bar to them in the back room he's just finishing up and (laughs) she just slams him right away she's like she's like oh next time remind me to run up a bigger tab or something like that (laughs) yeah no that's exactly what she said i wrote it down she says remind me to run up a bigger tab next time So, yeah, uh, apparently. Oh, and she also makes a point because he complains about her not kissing him. And she makes a point to say, we can do whatever we want, but I'm not the kissing type. Yeah, he he apparently blames his poor performance on a lack of foreplay. 
Ed is like, hey, I thought you uh, women liked all that kissing stuff. And she's like, she's like, you can keep your kisses. Life is too short. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just super weird. But he gets pushy and insistent, at which point she's like, okay, fine, you asked for it. And she kisses him. And there's a weird sound effect. And yellow cloud like, of smoke. Yeah, like and like flash of light indicating that something supernatural and hellish has happened. He's like, hey, you coming back tomorrow? And she's like, maybe, but you're not. He says, what are you talking about? And then he has a coughing fit and collapses. Then like orange goo that seems to be created by a crappy 90s digital effects house starts oozing from his mouth. Like they CGI'd the goo. Like they they couldn't just put like orange jello in his mouth and have him squirt it out. Like they have digital orange goo. Seems very unnecessary. What do you think, Stan? Stan. Sorry, the volume (laughs) from this is being like taken over. (laughs) The episode is playing and it's also feeding through my headset. So the audio track suddenly skyrocketed and you were drowned out by that disco music that she's charlestoning to. <laughs> yeah, I always like I always have the episode like playing in the background, but I put it on like 10% volume. <laughs> yeah. But anywho. <laughs> then we have our our typical opening credit sequence. Which I think has gotten a little better, honestly. I honestly I didn't notice a difference. I thought it was the same one we always had. Mm-mm. It's definitely it's put together a little bit better. I'll take your word for it. I I kind of either <laughs> either the opening credit sequence is the time that I either fast forward or I get up and go get a drink and come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true enough. I'm sure this episode is much better with at least one drink. It definitely would have been. <laughs> <laughs> the the opening credits end and there's Zeke brushing his teeth. Because why not? And the devil, John Glover, shows up and uses his like, I am a commercial announcer voice talking about how four out of five dentists agree that blah, blah, blah. Essentially, he's like, yeah, you don't have to worry about tooth decay because you're dead. So brushing (laughs) your teeth is one of those pointless activities that you engage in acting like you're still alive when you're not. And then he starts singing about gonorrhea. <laughs> then he starts singing about gonorrhea. No, uh, the the devil comments like, "Hey, you know, back in the day before modern medicine and modern dentistry, like people used to die by the the thousands from simple gum disease." That he's like looking out the window and pointing out the different diseases and the people who are walking by, and then he sings gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> like isn't that such a lovely word yeah, for such says, a disgusting thing he says he says gonorrhea what a romantic word for such a painful malady <laughs> <laughs> which might be one of the the best john glover devil lines that we've gotten in some time <laughs> His outfit is absolutely absurd, too. This, like, two-piece gray suit and a turtleneck. Yeah, blazer over turtleneck. Not a great look. I'm getting 
like all I can think of is Boondock Saints and like Smecker. That's what he reminds me of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, he's he's got a little bit of that vibe. So the thing that I was amused most by in this scene, though, is when the devil points Zeke in the direction of this week's damned soul of the week, you know, because the devil has to do at least half of the work in every episode by finding these people first and pointing Zeke to them. But he tosses him a matchbook from the nightclub that we just saw the girl in and says, you, you need to go out or something like that. He tosses Zeke the matchbook and the name of the club. I don't know if you saw it, Stan, but the name of the club is Rive. (laughs) Would you go to a nightclub called Rive? No. Like, what kind of experience are you looking to have at such a place? (laughs) What, you don't want to writhe like i oh my head (laughs) (laughs) i i feel like i feel like that word has a very specific connotation yeah i i I feel like you rarely ever hear about somebody writhing in anything other than agony right (laughs) they're sort of married Like that's that's typically the phrase, like writhing in agony, right? I mean, writhing in pleasure. See, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, no, no. Passionate writhing. Ew, <laughs> gross. <laughs> well, it's a it's a dance club, so I'm sure they're rhythmically writhing. See, that's a little less offensive, <laughs> but still offensive. Yeah, still, just mildly though. The the rhythmically writhing revelers. Uh, yeah, see, it's not. If meant you had to go. like one more R, I, I was I one was trying R to word. think of one. I can't I can't alliterate. You know, off the top of my head, that well. I believe in you. Yeah, yeah. No, we we hate that. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just isn't working. Like I don't know. It's it's just lightly off putting. Like the taste of black licorice or. A fart Gross. in an elevator. Yeah. Exactly. That's lightly off-putting? <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you don't realize that you're in the throes of it until it strikes you. And then you're like, oh, I can't go anywhere. And now I've noticed it and I can't go back. Oh, I guess you've never been in an elevator with me. <laughs> um, no, there aren't too many places in Binghamton that go more than one story. <laughs> Fair. True. So... Zeke goes to check out this lead that he got from the devil. So he goes to writhe. (laughs) (laughs) This episode should have been called writhe. (laughs) Yeah. Should have been. So he's talking to, I don't know, the, the owner, the manager, whatever. The guy's saying that the bartender who's dead, it was so unusual for him to get sick because he worked here for 10 years without a sick day and he was a health nut always drinking carrot juice and wheat germ shakes and whenever he wasn't at work he was at the gym so you know he was healthy as an ox and it's so weird that he got sick and died no mention of him being a creep though not a one <laughs> and then the like cdc uh, like I guess, <laughs> like biohazard suit 
you know, outbreak people I, show up. I couldn't tell if this was just like a budget episode of a sci-fi channel space show or a TV adaptation of the movie Outbreak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I feel like damn these people showed up fast and who called them and why? Because the body has not even been removed from the bar yet. He's barely been examined. Like, how have they so quickly determined that this is a CDC issue? That it's a bio All they know is, is like, there's a guy collapsed on the floor, dead, and he's puked up some orange stuff. You'd think they would have to, you know, get the body back to the hospital and have some doctors take a look at it before determining, like, oh, this is some exotic disease that we need the CDC to come in for? Well, and furthermore, there are many of unprotected people within earshot of this crime scene just watching this (laughs) unfold, so it can't be that contagious. Yeah, I I don't know. I just, I feel like, I I don't understand who called the CDC and why at this this point. (laughs) When, I mean, at, at best, they've got, what paramedics or like the police medical examiner have taken a cursory look at the body, which hasn't been autopsied or sampled or like nothing's gone to or come back from a lab yet. And the spacesuit people are already here. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I. It's so weird. <laughs> but we do see that lead CDC spacesuit person, you know, the one who seems to be walking in the front of the group and in charge and given the orders happens to be an attractive lady. So I, I figure she's going to help out somehow. So there's that <clears throat> be it, be a, a, a featured guest star, probably actually get a name, have some lines be in more than one scene <laughs> because this is a TV show and that's how, that's how these things work. Naturally. It's gotta be an attractive lady. And then we get to a house party. Oh, and what a house party this is. There are so many upstarts in their (laughs) high-waisted pants reveling in endless bacchanal. For some reason, everyone's trying to sleep with each other. Like, I don't understand this party. What is going on? But also the bowling pin shirt. What? <laughs> like I don't get I don't get I don't know what do they think that <laughs> young people are doing in this. <laughs> okay, well, uh, there we're going to have to go through a couple points about this party because there's so many things wrong with it. <laughs> the first thing that I noticed then that bothered me through almost the entire scene is the blonde chick with the deadly kiss from the beginning of the episode comes into this house party and she's got a very weird posture thing going on because she's wearing this scarf, but she's wearing it like backwards. So it's like around her neck in the front and then goes over the backs of her shoulders. So she has to stand oddly to keep that in place. <laughs> you know how normally if you're going to put a, sh- a, like a scarf around your shoulders, it would go around the back of your neck and down the front of your shoulders, right? Yeah. So she, she's essentially like wearing the scarf backwards, which is causing her to like arch her back and like stick her boobs out. And 
I don't know. It, That's it, probably why she wore which it. Like is a, that. Which yeah. is which is the actual style thing from you know the time frame she's supposedly from, I guess. But yeah, I yeah. mean, I I I get it, and it it looks good, and I I appreciate the the sticking out of the boobs. <laughs> well, but it it just it's a weird. I don't know. It, she, it looks uncomfortable. She's, it looks like it takes effort to wear. She's in this th- crushed velvet one piece. <laughs> and she's sort of jaunting around like she's going to a sock hop. The only thing that could have made it worse is she had a cigarello just saying, hey, come up and see me sometime. Like, that was the only thing. Like, it was so irritating to me because she's so out of place. And everyone's just like, oh, that girl seems cool. Like, what? Wh- why? Yeah, she she looks very much overdressed for this party, but she goes up to flirt with this guy who is wearing what appears to be silk button-down shirt that is about three sizes too big and unbuttoned down to like the third or fourth button and covered in bowling pins. <laughs> I mean, I am not going to lie. This is exactly the kind of shirt that I would have worn in not not at this point in the later 90s, but in the, like the early 90s. I, I could definitely have seen myself wearing this exact same shirt in like the sixth or seventh grade. Oh, yeah, it was it was definitely a look. It was a look for quite some time. However, it's only saving grace is that he is quite handsome. Yeah, he looks vaguely familiar. I neglected to look him up. I'm going to do that now and see if I can figure out what I know him from, if anything. And what was his name again? Wolfie. His name is Wolfie. Just kill me. (laughs) So he pairs the silky button-down bowling pin shirt with what I think are red jeans. Am I right about this? Um... Yes, yes, you are. Red jeans. I mean, collectively, their fashion statements could start fire to this house and burn everyone alive (laughs) in it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the guy who plays Wolfie is named Dax Griffin. That is that is the name of a comic book character. Like not a specific one, just like stylistically. Dax Griffin. Like, what's his? Is what is the full name of a man named Dax? Is it Daxter? Is that a thing? <laughs> I think it's just Dax. But he, <laughs> yeah, he seems to just be one of those. I'm in an episode of a lot of things. People, yeah, probably. And his, oh, he was in an episode of Firefly. That's interesting. Yeah, he's a one-off in a lot of random TV series and also seems to have done some extensive soap opera work. 54 episodes of The Bold and the Beautiful. Several episodes of oh, My Children. How many of The Bold and the Beautiful? 54 episodes. Wow, okay. As a character named Shane McGrath. He looks like a Shane. I would take that yeah, over Dax. Well, he, looks like, he, he looks like a McGrath. Yeah, right? <laughs> Uh, he was in a few episodes of One Tree Hill, and he was apparently the stand-in for young Hank Pym in Ant-Man and in Ant-Man and the Wasp. 
So apparently somebody thinks that he looks enough like Michael Douglas that they can map his de-aged face onto <laughs> onto Dax Griffin's body, I guess. I don't oh. know how they do that. But Oh, oh, and the icing on the cake. He's wearing flip-flops. Oh my God, what? is he? I didn't even yes. notice that, but that is awful. Yes. No. Yes. When we get to this oh, no. Briggard at the party moment and he gets knocked down, you get a shot and he is wearing flip-flops. Oh, good Lord. Okay, so let's get to that. So the girl comes to flirt with Wolfie because I guess she was super attracted to his sexy bowling pin shirt. I think this is where we get her name. Her name is Sally Ann. Sally Ann and Wolfie are just about to kiss after this flirting they've been doing. And this guy just barges in between them. This super greaseball, douchey looking guy comes right between them as they're about to kiss. And then (laughs) while asking where the bathroom is, gets distracted by Sally Ann being hot and starts trying to be like, whoa, hey, baby, after I go find a place to pee, you want to find a dark corner to make out somewhere? And make note. He, too, is sporting a goatee. Well, it was 1998. I was trying... Actually, 99. Sorry, this was January of 99. But this is when I was trying my damnedest to sport a goatee. I wouldn't be able to grow one for another, like, three years after this. But... Well... um, (laughs) I was trying. Good thing you didn't, because apparently all men who brandish a goatee have a tendency to sexually assault women. So there's that. Yeah, so so the guy, the guy is like, "Hey, want to find a dark corner somewhere after I find the pissoir?" <laughs> and she tells him to pissoir off. Classic. Oh, this this witting, crackling dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, there's a there's a bit where Sally Ann takes a flask out of her out of her garter yeah Mm -hmm. only purpose is for her to show way too much leg as she takes this flask out of um thigh high pantyhose yeah i'm i'm not arguing with that i got nothing against it but (laughs) oh but not everyone can see it so they have to know exactly what's happening well she she makes a comment about how making booze legal takes some of the fun out of it so now we know she is definitely from the 20s. And she she also uh, says that she makes her own and takes out her flask and says there's a new batch every morning. So this is like uh, Zeke's pocket money and his bullets. Every, every day her flask is refilled by magic, hell, uh, dead but not dead power. I don't know. Her her flask refreshes every day the same way Zeke's stuff does. But of course, that's an inconsistent rule, and that only happens sometimes, but whatever. So barely any time passes after the douchey greaseball leaves to go find the pissoir that he almost immediately comes back and bumps into them a second time. So he and Wolfie... Oh, nope, there oh, are the flip-flops! The flip <laughs> <laughs> so him and Wolfie, he pushes over Wolfie... And Sally Ann does not. Sally Ann. Yes. Sally Ann does not like that. So she grabs this douchey goatee sporting asshole and just 
plants one right on his mouth and then weird yellow sulfur dust smoke <laughs> poops out of their mouths. Weird yellow sulfur dust smoke. Yep. <laughs> poops out of their mouths. Poops right out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we we have we have definitely confirmed that Sally Ann's mouth is poisonous. Her kisses are deadly. And she gives this guy a little smoochy as punishment for being a little douchey. That was terrible. I should should <laughs> You should probably edit that out. <laughs> I should probably edit that out, but I think uh I think our listeners need to uh need to be aware of of how terrible I am. I have to live with my shame. Well, at least you burnt that bowling pin shirt. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've got similar and worse shirts from the early I mean, 90s. Hey, listen, button up short somewhere. sleeves were not that much of a faux pas. Like when we were coming up, it was definitely a fashion statement. I own several and I still continue to sport them. The uh, I know you look fabulous. Yeah. I mean, like I love a loud shirt. Don't get me wrong, but it's more that strange off brand sateen stuff that I can't co-sign. At least mine is a hundred percent cotton or silk. <laughs> Yeah, the silk or silk-like shirts of that nature were kind of a big thing in the early 90s, especially when they were like three sizes too big. They were short sleeves, but the end of those short sleeves would be like past your elbows. They were so long because you were wearing the shirt so big and it may or may not be open with a t-shirt under it. But if it wasn't open with a t-shirt under it, it was unbuttoned down to like the solar plexus. (laughs) Yep. Yep. The 90s were weird, is what we're saying. <laughs> like, like, Stan and I defend the 90s a lot on this show, but there are some things that are indefensible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet, we still can't get anything about pogs. I really just want more scenes involving pogs. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll mock the pogs. We're, we're not a fan of those flip-flops, but but we defend the trench coats and the silk shirts and the wallet chains. I draw the line at fedoras, though. Excuse me? I draw the line. <laughs> I draw the line. I can't, I can't co-sign that. I rocked a fedora. <sighs> I know. <laughs> Are you saying you didn't like it? It doesn't matter what I think. I didn't marry you. <laughs> Hey, but before the creepy neck bearded <laughs> and you know the the alt right incel miladiers with their yeah <laughs> with their neck beards ruined the fedora. Yeah. Before I, that, I know, I know. All I'm saying is that now there's a body pillow of such an individual <laughs> that exists. Gross. That's a thing. There's- with a with with an anime girl screen printed on it. No, 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 no. Like a neck beard fedora wearing, and he's wearing like an anime shirt with his belly sticking out, and he's wearing like socks and flip flops and cargo shorts. Oh, I th- I thought you meant a body pillow that was owned by such a person. No, but you're saying no. you're saying a body pillow with that of such a person. It. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Why is that a thing? Oh yeah. Oh wait, I'll link it in the chat. You'll love it. <laughs> I am I am mystified by this. Why is why is that a thing that exists? 
I have no idea, but it, it how, definitely. Wait, how did we? How did we get on that? How did we get from from this episode of television to weird neckbeard stereotype body pillow? Like, how did that happen? I, I such are things that happen. Dude, these are these are literally things that happen. Mm-hmm. So right. after. So after, you know, the whole kissing thing and he falls down and everyone seems to like go back to their own business, one girl in particular, they take a point to show her making a weird face being like, oh, that was awkward. And then drunk asshole guy stumbles over to a beer, opens it up, drinks some of it. And then does he set it back down or does he hand it to somebody else? He he hands it to somebody. So, oh my God. Oh my God. God. (laughs) (laughs) That's... I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. That's a, a picture that Stan linked us of a fedora-ed, pot-bellied, sandal and socks combo wearing rose holding milady. Or I'm, you know what? This is when I post this episode. I'm tweeting this picture. <laughs> <laughs> Just so so our <laughs> listeners, all like all like ten of our listeners can. <laughs> can see this <laughs> this monstrosity oh gosh oh my god oh my it, the, gosh and it's I from just neckbeard things I, I, I can't i can't look away it's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's an entire subreddit but we won't talk about that anyway. <laughs> okay sorry back back on track um okay so so sally ann kisses the douchey guy because he pushed wolfie down and then the douchey guy kind of falls over a little bit. Sally Ann and Wolfie leave. Douchey guy gets back up. And for some reason, even though the bartender died like almost instantly, douchey guy sticks around for a little bit long enough to open himself a beer, have a sip. And then as he like staggers around the room, hands it off to somebody else who for some reason drinks from it and then hands it to somebody else who also drinks from it. Eventually, we see the the empty bottle get put down, and they kind of focus in on the fizz of the remaining dregs of the bottle, as if that's some supernatural element, and that beer doesn't normally foam like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this, obviously, Sally Ann's mouth was on that dude's mouth, and then that dude's mouth was on the bottle, and then... For every person that it touched or every person that had mouth to bottle or mouth to mouth contact, dead bodies. So a whole slew of party goers die. And the other weird thing is another thing about the party is all of these people seem to easily be like 30. And (laughs) the hostess of the party, when the police and the CDC show up, is like, oh man, my parents are going to kill me. Because <laughs> she's apparently a teenager having a house party while her parents are out of town. <laughs> and none of these people look remotely like teenagers. So, also, the reaction that this this tertiary character notices when she watches her kiss the sleaze ball, Like, I don't know what direction she received, but... She looks more aroused than anything. (laughs) 
like i don't know i don't know what would they were trying to like tell her like oh you you know you're you notice this and you're like shocked or intrigued but it just kind of came off more like a oh <laughs> and i just can't i don't it, this eyebrow raise she does is like a little intense for me <laughs> just rewound it to watch it <laughs> it's it's the it's the strangest thing <laughs> yeah that was a little weird yeah so the cdc shows up again to investigate mysterious illness deaths they're baffled they can't figure it out what's killing these poor folks zeke shows up and tries to just walk into the house and everyone's like whoa 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 are you crazy quarantined you're gonna die he's like eh, i'm kind of already dead but whatever and again, it's it's another scene in which all of these people are dressed head to toe in hermetically sealed medical gear and everyone else is walking around like, eh. Yeah, it's they they seem to take inconsistent precautions. <laughs> now you're yeah, just and, being nice. <laughs> and the cops that try to stop Zeke as he walks into the house, like they don't really st- try to stop him. They're just kind of like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't go in there. <laughs> As they, like, watch him waltz in. I like eventually they've just all collectively given up on stopping Zeke from showing up at crime scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you'd, you'd think several people in the LAPD at this point know all too well that Zeke's tone is not an LA cop and right? probably also isn't a New York cop either. Like, you don't think they sit around the coffee machine being like, hey, did the weird dusty blonde haired guy in a trench coat show up at your crime scene last week, too? God, so fucking weird. Like, oh, yeah, I thought after after Detective Ash disappeared that this guy would just <laughs> go away. And and it's like, like, no one tries to arrest him or anything. <laughs> yeah, like, like why, why is Ash's disappearance not a big deal? for the LAPD and why is Zeke not their primary suspect in that disappearance? (laughs) Like why are they not? Yeah. You'd think like, Oh, uh, prominent like LAPD detective has gone missing with no explanation. Let's go for the weird, creepy dude who shows up at random crime scenes, you know, crimes, which never get solved because the suspects mysteriously disappear. And this dude is clearly using a fake name and a fake police badge of someone who died 15 years ago. At, at this point, Zeke should be in jail awaiting trial, right? That's exactly. Or there at least should be a citywide manhunt for this person. Yeah. Well, a lot of things about this show don't make sense. So apparently the teenage girl who threw the house party, which contained no other teenagers and was full of people in their early 30s trying to network in LA because they're not getting enough background performer work on television. She tells Zeke about the brief incident, the little scuffle that happened at the party, and it involved some guy named Wolfie. So Zeke goes looking for Wolfie. Wolfie. To which everyone knows him by that name. I I am at a loss. I decline. <laughs> so he goes to Wolfie's place of business. And of course, it's a surf shop. What else could it possibly be? He was wearing flip flops, red jeans, and a shirt with bowling pins on it with his spiky frosted tips. And he works at a surf shop. Not only does he work there, he apparently either owns or manages it because the guy that Zeke talks to at the surf shop refers to Wolfie as his boss. 
Zeke bribes this guy who's waxing a surfboard. Again, sporting a little baby goatee, frosted spiky tips. Zeke hands over some money to get this guy to tell him where he can find Wolfie. And I'm sure it's a very small sum of money considering what he always has on his person. Yeah, it can't be that much. Like, I mean, he gives him two bills on two separate occasions, but we know that Zeke has less than $40 when he wakes up every day. So the best that those two bills could have been are tens. <laughs> so this guy sold out Wolfie for 20 bucks. Pretty much. <laughs> that is a really good point that I had not thought of at all until you said that. <laughs> So I was like, how could Zeke possibly bribe anyone in this show? Yeah, because he only has what like $37 and change every day, right? Yeah, in yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, about 37 bucks. <laughs> nice. yeah. yeah, those were either ones, fives, or tens. <laughs> either way, that kid could get a milkshake or a burger for the cost <laughs> of selling out his boss. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just, just terrific. Grand. So Zeke goes to Wolfie's place where he finds a sad and bathrobed Sally Ann. And Zeke takes way too long to put two and two together. Because he seems, for the beginning of this conversation, he seems to suspect Wolfie, right? As being the bad guy, which makes no sense because if Wolfie's managing a surf shop or you know, has established friendships and, and relationships with people in the area that it's clearly not him, right? Like, why is he even... I think he only, because the sexually intrigued woman that he spoke to knew who Wolfie was, and that's what led him to the surf shop. Yeah, but I mean, coming to Wolfie's house and finding not Wolfie, but suspicious woman, I don't know. I, I feel like he seems to think that Wolfie is the person he should be after when I think it's pretty clear that Wolfie is a living human. Right. I, I think, I think he might notice that once he shows up, doesn't he? Cause doesn't he have like a few moments of, it takes him a while because he, he comes to the door and Sally Ann looking distraught lets him in. And she's just like, Oh, poor Wolfie. I really liked him. You know, he was a stand up guy. And I told him that we could do anything. We could knock each other's socks off. Oh we gosh. could do it all, but no smooching. But he was real insistent, and eventually she tries to dry her tears because she feels so bad about poor Wolfie, and her tears are apparently acidic or something because the tissue starts to sizzle, and Zeke pulls out his gun. <laughs> and so, so Zeke pulls out his gun, and Sally Ann immediately throws him through a wall where he crashes into the bedroom where he finds dead, diseased Wolfie. Such a shame. She does the super jump over a fence that's in like every episode. And <laughs> Zeke comes running out through a hole in the wall that is definitely not made of paper and cardboard. That is definitely a real wall in a real building and not a fake wall constructed of paper and cardboard. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, seriously. It's super a real wall made out of the things that real walls are made out of. <laughs> Terrible. Zeke manages to catch up to Sally Ann, and instead of shooting her in the face, he stands there, point blank, holding his gun out, totally has the drop on her, can kill her at any time, and he just stands there for like two minutes while she monologues 
until she finally like lulls him into enough of a false sense of security that she could knock the gun away and kiss him on the eyeballs. Does she do mouth and eyeballs or just eyeballs? I can't remember. No, just eyeballs. She just kisses him on the eyeballs because this is okay. (laughs) So this is another instance of, for some reason, the damned souls all knowing about the rule that the only way to kill another damned soul is to destroy the eyes. And for some reason, they all know this, even though none of them have been told and none of them have any way of knowing this or having like any opportunity to have seen it or anything. Like It makes no sense that they all have this knowledge. Yeah, that they just they know. Also, there's the rule of the souls can't be hurt by anything other than another damned soul. Like they can only inflict wounds or pain or a damage of some sort on each other. So in a combination of her infectious nature is like the only way that Zeke could get sick. And also the eyes need to be destroyed to send them back to hell. So she specifically kisses his eyeballs <laughs> in order to infect him with disease. God. It's so stupid. No, I mean, it gets worse. Only because I don't even, gosh, I think it even takes a while to get to the point in which the devil comments on what is happening to him. Yeah, the devil's going to spell it out in a minute. But not really. (laughs) Just not to to, uh, get anybody's hopes up. Yeah, so (laughs) after falling into a pond or a lake or a stream, Something. Zeke falls back into a body of water, looking real silly, and eventually drags himself back to the hotel where Max takes care of him, I guess. Talking about all of the homeopathic cures (laughs) that that she has stashed somewhere. Not nearly enough Lori Petty in this episode. Yeah, so she puts Zeke to bed, makes some comment about Oh, I can't say as I've never thought about getting you into bed, Stone, but this isn't exactly what I had in mind. Ha ha. But once Max leaves the room, the devil shows up wearing uh, latex gloves and one of those surgical masks. And he seems to be somewhat uh, actually afraid of catching whatever Zeke has. Seems odd. And that's where they kind of spell it out a little more for the audience of, yep, you can be infected by... Sally Ann's disease because the disease that she had that she died with is now mutated or something by having been in hell. So now it's some kind of hell virus and it can even (laughs) infect the dead people and the devil's afraid to catch it for some reason. And maybe just killing Sally Ann and sending her back to hell will cure you automatically because why not but maybe not but yeah that's definitely what it is because this is a tv show so zeke decides he needs to get out and go kill sally ann (laughs) so he's he's trying to stumble his way out of the building and by the time he gets to the lobby that's when the cdc shows up (laughs) 
So they, of course, take his vitals and his heart's not beating and he doesn't seem to be breathing and he doesn't have a pulse. All things that would have been true, whether he was sick or not. <laughs> yeah, so so none of this really amounts to anything. He just kind of pushes past him and goes off to search. Then we have Sally Ann at a bar, meets up with another guy, gets all flirty and jazz dancy. She doesn't have a care in the world. Yeah. And then she, she arm wrestles him and breaks his wrist. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like any time I go to the bar. I have I have seen her do that. <laughs> so does anyone else feel that it's like kind of odd that she's just been kind of running amok, infecting whoever she wants. Like she'll sleep with who she wants, dance with who she wants, drinks with who she wants. But she had one guy that she was generally upset about killing him. And it, and it doesn't affect her behavior at all. No. She's like, oh, I, I killed this guy that I really liked who was nice to me and treated me with respect. But that's not going to stop me from going on this rampage. Like, just like it seems like a weird pit stop. Like I would expected it more to come at like the end. Yeah, you'd think that would be like a turn for her. You know, have have her actually feel bad about having killed somebody towards the end of the episode, and then like resign to herself to be like, oh, I guess I'm dangerous, and maybe you should send me back, and mm-hmm. just kind of let Zeke do it. But I mean, we've had that kind of vague redemption arc before. So maybe that wouldn't be, I don't know. I, I, I can see, I can see that working. I can see it not working. But the thing that I started to think about around this point in the episode, okay, because she's now infected a whole bunch of people in a very short period of time and the CDC is on the case and whatnot, but all of the people who escaped from hell escaped at the same time, right? Uh, yeah, that was like a big like break. And it was six weeks before the first episode that it happened Mm -hmm. and we are now on episode 10 and they've pretty much established that these weekly episodes are happening on roughly a weekly basis give or take so in 16 weeks in like an, an entire school semester's worth of time was she just not infecting anybody until now like wouldn't there have been a string of these mysteriously diseased bodies long before this point. If she, it like, it's not like she just escaped. She's been walking around for months at this point doing who knows what with who knows who there should be a much longer string of, of corpses. And that would, you know, do more to explain why the the CDC is on the trail instead of them mysteriously showing up, you know, at the beginning of the episode and having it seem strange, like they shouldn't be here yet. I don't know. I I feel like those two problems could be solved at the same time with with a single line of dialogue. Right, right. I don't know. that That just started to bother me at this point in the episode for some reason. No, I agree. No, I totally agree. So anyway, the guy that Sally's flirting with at the bar, who she also breaks his wrist in an arm wrestling match, he works for Water and Power, which is going to be important shortly. And the bartender puts on the TV and the CDC ladies talking at like a press conference about this weird plague that's going around. And she's like, we're close to a cure, even though that's completely untrue. But that causes Sally to go to the hospital and be like, give me this cure you have. And the lady's like, yeah, we don't have a cure. But if you need the cure, then clearly you're sick. So we need to isolate you 
And that causes Sally to freak the fuck out. And run Sally away. smash! <laughs> yes, <laughs> Sally smash. So she does. She does. She does the the one handed choke slam that's super popular in this show. And she almost kisses the doctor lady. And you know that would be two women kissing, and that would be too steamy for nineteen ninety nine network television. So we don't actually see that. Also, also, can we just talk about? Sally's numerous costume changes. Where the fuck is she getting all these dresses? Yeah, right? She doesn't have a job. She doesn't have an apartment. She doesn't have a closet full of clothes. I just assume she's stealing them from costume shops. Like, I mean, I she's mean, gotta if, be, right? If if Zeke has been tracking down souls in the same raggedy, tattered like <laughs> clothes he's been since the start of this show, how is she getting costume changed like literally hours into every like each day she has something different she's wearing to a different party or event like every single time and yes we could assume that she's stealing them but but from where because they're all like 20s style right costume shop yeah it's got to be costume shops but like that's super weird <laughs> it just kind of like stood out to me and i'm like wait a minute that's not the same dress yep you're right you're right i, I that is not something that i noticed on my own but now that you bring it up, I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> so Zeke shows up at the hospital, apparently very shortly after Sally did. And he asks the doctor if she's ever heard of Sally Ann McGee. And for some reason, the doctor knows all about her. She's like, wait, Why let me get this file on this typhoid case that I remember back from the 1950s. Like, What? Oh, she just she knows the entire story off the top of her head because she's like, it's required reading in my field. <laughs> so so Sally Ann's tragic backstory is she had some combo of salmonella and typhoid <laughs> or something. So she was kept in isolated quarantine from the time she was a kid. So she was essentially imprisoned, which she felt was cruel. She escaped and may or may not have intentionally vomited into a <laughs> reservoir, <laughs> tainting the water supply and infecting hundreds of people in Ohio. <laughs> this is the plot, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, she puked into a reservoir. And Zeke asks if it may have been intentional, and Dr. Lady's like, well, how the fuck should I know? But that gives Zeke the idea of, okay, so Sally Ann wants to taint the water supply on purpose now and kill everyone, which is a little bit of a leap. I mean, he's right, but I feel like, I feel like as an audience member who has seen both Sally Ann's portion of the episode and Zeke's portion of the episode... Yes, that is a logical conclusion to land on, but only Zeke's portions <laughs> and not knowing the Sally Ann stuff that Zeke should not know. That's a bit of a leap, right? Wait. Yeah, well, if he knows she's a demon and like that she escaped from hell. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. This episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think our mistake was assuming logic would play into this somehow. Yeah, so a call comes in while Zeke's talking to the doctor lady about another case of the disease showing up. So Zeke gets that location, goes to the bar that Sally Ann picked up the water and power guy, 
talks to the bartender, finds out that Sally Ann picked up a water and power guy. And so he goes to the, the water pumping station that the guy worked at where he's going to find Sally Ann, who is determined to taint the water supply and kill everyone because reasons. Zeke staggers his sick, fevered ass to the pumping station where Sally Ann is dumping her flask of tainted booze into the water supply. See, it all makes sense. I mean, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't get over like (laughs) the weird CG vomiting of this typhoid (laughs) hybrid into the water supply. Oh, yeah, she doesn't just dump her tainted flask into it. She takes a swig from the flask and then spits or maybe vomits into the thing. It's hard to tell the way it's edited, all the the sound effects and jump cuts. And her as a character, she's just so strange because I'm like, all right, well, you know, you're denied your life, like whatever have you. And then now here you are back on Earth just basically doing whatever you wanted. Why do you feel like you need to mass murder people for what purpose? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean they they make some comment about how like the isolation and imprisonment that she was under plus the fever rotting her brain or whatever that she went kind of crazy. But that's that's about as close to an explanation as we get for why any of this is happening. If the person is crazy, there doesn't need to be any logic to their actions, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess. On TV land that's how that works. So, you know. That is true. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I just feel like they just cut so many parts out of this. Yeah, all the episodes kind of feel that way. That's the problem of having every character just be a one-off that we never see again. Mm -hmm. So we have to get their entire motivation and backstory front-loaded into a huge exposition dump, and then they're gone. Nobody has a chance to develop ever. Right. Zeke turns this giant valve that just is marked just like emergency and and apparently all zeke needs to do is turn that emergency valve and that's that's going to solve the problem whatever because it it's big and it says emergency on it that's it <laughs> and so sally ann shows up and is just standing there again monologuing to zeke about her poor woe is me backstory zeke keeps trying to shoot her and missing <laughs> And she's like, man, your aim sucks. Oh my god. And then she pulls out her flask to take a swig. And Zeke, instead of aiming for her eyes, instead shoots the flask, which apparently explodes, shards of which apparently happen to go into Sally's eyes. Problem solved. (laughs) Bad 90s CGI light show. Sally dead. Downward spiral. Yeah, if he had so much trouble hitting her face, how was he able to hit the flask in one shot when he decided to do that? I don't know. And one of the things that bothers me about this CGI light show that we get every time somebody goes back to hell is why do, like, faces come off of their face and float up into the sky? (laughs) (laughs) Because it happens, like, twice. But that didn't have anything to do with... I don't know. I could see if that was somehow thematically appropriate for the particular character. Like they were two-faced or like shapeshifters or some kind of master of disguise. Like, yeah, face coming off of the face like a mask and floating away. Like that kind of makes sense. But to just happen with every character is weird. 
Now I just feel like the storyboard was just like, make it look ethereal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a way to describe it. Anyway, with Sally Ann gone. Wait, isn't that a part where he says my favorite line? What was your favorite line? So much for the roaring 20s. Oh, yeah, I forgot. (laughs) Which that one is quite brilliant. I will totally co-sign that. I will totally co-sign that. But it's like he says it like it's supposed to be some kind of joke. Like it's a pun or something. But so much for the roaring 20s isn't an idiomatic. Like it's not a. It's not a phrase like the Roaring Twenties is, but like so much for the Roaring Twenties is not a cliche or anything. He's not making a pun. It's not a reference to anything other than the fact that she was from the Twenties. Like he says it like it should be a good one-liner, but there's nothing clever or or double meaning or anything about it. It's not a. It's not an actual joke. I don't. Why I. I, I was just half expecting a wah wah <laughs> to play like right after he said it. But his delivery was so perfect. Like I like there should have been like oh cute laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it's delivered. But there's no actual joke being made. Yeah. Uh, I I also forgot to mention that poor Sally Ann, Sally Ann McGee. Her name isn't actually Sally Ann. She was just Annie McGee. And then the Sally got added because of the Salmonella. <laughs> oh my god! And apparently, it was it was the mean nickname that the doctors and nurses gave to her. I'm so done with this episode. <laughs> yeah. So with Sally Ann properly dispatched, Zeke is immediately healed of his illness, and he's at the diner. You know, our usual hangout with Teresita. The devil shows up and orders a healthy slice of angel food cake. (laughs) So the devil starts eating his cake and Zeke makes some comment about how Sally reminded him of the devil. Devil's like, really? How do you figure? And Zeke's like, well, you know, she was locked up and ostracized and maligned. And they're like, oh, that must be how it felt for you getting kicked out of heaven and exiled. And the devil gets all butthurt about this comparison and vanishes, at which point Zeke steals and eats his cake. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. That's the actual end of this fucking episode. Yep. So this is a few duds in a row that I feel real bad about. Uh, You didn't write it. This is what we're here for. Yeah, I, I suppose. We're here. So the audience doesn't have to be. That's true. We watched it so you don't have to. That's going on a (laughs) t-shirt. Single season showcase. Don't worry. We watched it so you don't have to. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That'll be the perfect t-shirt. What what were the other t-shirts you wanted? There were at least two other t-shirts. I remember one of them. There... (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Pioneer shirt will just say werewolf larp (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there was another one before that oh oh gosh oh i didn't write that one down i know werewolf larp was one oh gosh i can't think of it but 
Speaking of single season showcase in general, I did have somebody at work get wind of our little soiree here. And oh my he came in the other day and he just goes, um, so. <laughs> so your show sucks. He goes, he goes, <laughs> so are you actually going to get Jaden Smith on an episode of your show? <laughs> So they must have listened to quite a bit oh, to get to the James. It was just bit. like it was so. I don't. <laughs> I just couldn't even brace him for. It. I was like, like how much of it did you actually listen to? He's like, yeah, like I. He's like, I started on episode one for like Brimstone, and I was like, but you didn't listen to anything from Black Sash, did you? And he was like, no, I don't think so. I was like, I think I started listening to them out of order, and I was. He's like, I got into an episode and was like, oh, they're talking about jaden smith a lot in this episode (laughs) (laughs) well eventually this show will blow up enough that we will get jaden smith's attention and get him on the show oh my gosh (laughs) jaden if you're listening reach out to us like this is totally his kind of niche um oh, i you know what it wouldn't surprise me either way like like if jaden smith somehow caught wind of the existence of this show and was just like this is exactly the kind of weird kooky no one's paying attention to it type of thing i don't know i, I could see him being into it because he's he's that kind of of weirdo i don't know reach out jaden you can find us at Sing C Show on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> or single season showcase at gmail.com. Uh, so, final thoughts on this one. Christy, what do you think? I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't really, I feel like I haven't had much to contribute, but also this wasn't a super great work of TV. I don't know. Christy's seen at least a couple episodes of Brimstone having been in the room while I was watching them or actively watching them with me and occasionally just being like, what the fuck? (laughs) How did this actually end up on the air? Are they serious? Yeah, this is definitely not the best episode I've watched, but. And that's really saying something with the the quality of the previous episodes that say that this is not the best one. Maybe I just blocked it out of my memory. I don't know. Entirely possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a great one. I mean, I I kind of like the idea as of kind of a, a, a typhoid Mary type character, but I don't know. The execution kind of blows. Yeah. I feel like why was this character completely inactive up until now? And this is part of the issue of the show being locked to one location. Like ever since the third episode where we got to LA and we haven't left it since, I feel like this episode would make much more sense if it were in a different city. And the reason that Zeke went there is because there was this rash of mysterious illnesses that it started right after the time that the big breakout from hell happened. And then from that point until now, there have been regular occurrences of this mysterious illness that the CDC can't figure out. And Zeke finding out about that and going, oh, well, the timeline matches up. This must be a hell person. I'm going to go investigate and then find out like the entire episode becomes better just with that one change. Right, right. That's part of the problem of having a single location that doesn't make sense because there are 113 people who escaped from hell. 
They were from different parts of the world and different points in history. So why are they all in Los Angeles instead of spread out all over the world? Right. I mean, give me back Hasdrubal Scaris any day. Yeah. But even that, like, why was Hasdrubal Scaris in LA? Like, he should have been. Oh, I mean, that particular, he can't, I mean, he, he, regardless of however they hashed it out, like, he came looking for Zeke. Because he knew yeah, Zeke you're, existed. Yeah, you're right. That that one makes sense. But again, they have the brain power. I just don't. I don't understand why. Yeah. Why would you give me this '50s sock hop teenager type? And honestly, the way they portrayed it was that she died very young. Yeah, she was supposed to be 19. They yeah, said. she seems like well in her 30s in this episode. Yeah. So, well, you know, times were times were harder back then. People grew up faster. I mean, I guess. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah, I don't know. Any anything else? I don't want to give away too much as far as uh starting to rewrite the show because that's a thing we're gonna do in our post mortem episode. Oh my gosh. So I don't want to get into Black Sash. We got a whole forty five minutes out of that episode. That was my favorite. I know, and I'm I'm excited to do it for this show, and I'm trying to to hold things back right. from episode to episode that right. I want to put in the postmortem and not give away too soon. But. All right. So then with that said, let's let's go ahead and wrap up. Okay, so that will do it for episode 10, Carrier. <laughs> A.K.A. Writhe. <laughs> Writhe. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's just a gross name for a dance club, right? <gasps> oh, God. What was, wait, what was, the name, what was the name of the club from, <laughs> from Black Sash? The Pool Hall? Oh, um, was it... Sticks or something like or, that? Or, or was it Q sticks? It's yeah, Q sticks. <laughs> it's right next door to Rise. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great! <sighs> that's amazing. Rise. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> join us next time for episode eleven, which is called faces okay it's not good but at least it's interesting there's a a fun angle to it like they they were at least trying something different how well it works we'll talk about right stan yes where can everybody find you online they can all find me in the twitterverse at bedside martini all one word and christy do you want to be found or do you want to remain mysteriously elusive uh eh, i'm not that interesting i'll hide in my corner of the internet i tried that and greg told me i was full of shit (laughs) (laughs) no you are vastly more interesting than i am my dear hardly i don't think that's true either but anyway i can be found at eurogurg on the twitters and you can find the show at Sing C Show or email us at singleseasonshowcase at gmail.com. And we will be back again and again and again. I apologize for how late all of the episodes have been showing up, but I really, 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 really hate editing this show. It is tedious and it is difficult, and I don't like doing it. So sometimes I just don't. 
it is entirely on me. I have no excuse <laughs> other than other than my own laziness and procrastination. So that is entirely my fault, and I'm sorry. Not sorry enough to do better, but just sorry. <laughs> and a, a thing that I keep forgetting to do every episode, but I should be doing every episode, is asking people to please give us a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to this. The show's about to end. As soon as it's over, just go over, give us a rating, preferably a, a five-star rating. Even if you don't mean it, do it anyway. Write us a review. It helps push us closer to the top of like search results. And God, you're really bad at this. I'm terrible at it, but... What my illustrious co-host is trying to say is feel free to rate and subscribe. You can find us on SoundCloud or on iTunes um, and podcast. Um, so, you know, if you like what you hear or you want to hear more, please feel free to subscribe. See, why, why do you leave this? to? Why didn't you just do that in the first place? I, I honestly, making me you, do this. You didn't tell me that you were going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was caught off guard and I was like, okay, paraphrase. <laughs> Like, you're rambling. You're bad at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do that. Do it. Do the thing. Do the thing in the thing. Yeah. All right. I am clearly completely out of juice. So let's uh let's just end this thing. We'll see everybody next time for faces. Until then, he is Stan Spencer. And he is Greg Musselman. And I'm terribly sorry, but we've been canceled. Hooray, it's over. Nothing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that episode oh. is fucking awful oh my god it's just